Welcome to the second episode of the fourth season of the Give, Receive, Improve podcast with Lisa Lam and Sawana Ali. In this episode, we will be talking about the top three attributes of a successful leader. And so there are basically two key questions that we want to answer. The first one is, what are these top three attributes? And two, what can you do to develop them? From the previous episode, we talked about the common attributes. Uh, so, so that was essentially a range of attributes from personal leadership right up to uh, management skills. In today's episode, we want to be able to drill down on three essential attributes or core values of any successful leader. So for me, the top three non-negotiable attributes are one, integrity, two, courage, three, respect. And respect in the sense of respecting yourself as well as respecting others. So what do you think, Sal? What about you? Thank you for sharing, Lisa. That's really a great list of three common non-negotiable leadership attributes. Integrity, courage, and respect. I like your list. Okay, now it's my turn to pick three non-negotiable common leadership attributes. And the three that I pick are number one, inspiration, number two, trustworthiness, and number three, empathy. I know that in the last episode before, I've kind of spoken about empathy, but I think it's important for me to kind of emphasize that again. In addition to that, I will also include perseverance as part of the important attributes that I believe should come together with empathy. First thing first, let's talk about inspiration. Why is inspiration so important? Inspiration is very important because I need an inspirational leader for me to last the long journey in an organization or in a mission or in a purpose. As a matter of fact, we are collective individuals who just want the same thing. We want to achieve our goals and we want to be successful. And for this purpose, we tend to look up at someone who can keep the momentum going especially when times are hard. The truth of the matter is the long journey is filled with trials and tribulation before you can even see lights at the end of the tunnel. The road will be very bumpy and there are some good days, there are some bad days, and there are days that you are not motivated at all. I'm very sure you all can relate to this. So when the going gets tough, the tough has to get going. And this is the time when we count on the inspirational leader to sustain our effort, to keep us motivated, and to convince us that this is still the right thing to do. So what we expect of this leader is not only for him to have the energy to sustain himself, he needs to be able to be there for his people, sustain their effort, and influence them that this is still the right purpose to pursue. That's the reason why I believe inspiration is a non-negotiable attribute of a leader. Talking about inspiration, there are many ways of you getting inspiration from people. Just to cite an example, I will share my own personal experience and the key inspirational lessons that I learned is from my own mother. There are three key inspirational lessons that I learned from her, which I typically apply in many situations, including my professional work. The first thing that I learned is that life is about growing to be a better person every day. So the key idea is really for us to be present, to focus 
on today rather than thinking of the future. I mean, don't think too much about the future because there are so many uncertain things about the future. Just be present, focus on today, and take everything as a learning experience. Capture those learning, and the intention is really to seek improvement from those learning so that we can create a better version of ourselves continuously. And I have a very simple mantra in line with this lesson which I call do one good deed every day. So that's what I live by. Key inspirational lesson number two that I learned from her is really about defining success and happiness. It's very important for us to define success and happiness on our own terms. The idea is to basically avoid defining success and happiness based on societal expectations and using the societal yardsticks. That can be pretty dangerous actually because at the end of the day you may be chasing things that really do not mean anything to you because you are trying to live up to others' expectations. Obviously, in this scenario, you need to know yourself very well. You have a high degree of self-awareness, enhance your social awareness, and from there, based on your goals and your dreams, you know exactly where the balance is in terms of achieving your dreams and how to include important people in your journey. So all these things matters. So at the end of the day, the key idea is to know yourself very well, to know exactly what you want to do, to work hard on that and then define success and happiness based on your own terms. And the key inspirational lesson number three is about respecting people and listening well. We have to respect people as everyone is treated equal. Everyone has a place in this world, on this earth, regardless who they are, where they come from, what skin color they are. So once you start respecting people, it's very easy to communicate, to have a constructive discussion, to have an engaging dialogue. And that's when the power of listening will come into the picture. And the better listener you are, the more rewarding the engagement will be. And it is expected that you will have a better outcome whenever healthy discussions take place and people respecting each other. So well, Lisa, that's my pick on the number one non-negotiable attribute of leadership, which is inspiration. At this point in time, I'm just curious, who inspires you, Lisa? That's an excellent question, Sal. But before I answer that question, I think you have basically covered three key attributes in the sense that inspirational is one. And, you know, as part of that, you know, what I said earlier in terms of around integrity, courage, and respect a lot of it is about all these core values uh, coming out into, into being or how it's acted out or how uh, it is applied in our daily lives. And as part of that, from an inspirational person perspective, I, I don't think I have one person per se. I would have different aspects. So, for example, my grandfather, I think, is a, is a very big role model. And one of the things that he has taught me is about respect for people. And... Yes. Um, one of the biggest aspects of respect, and I remember this when I was a child, is about respecting people for their time. So a good example of how I put it out or how I practice it is that I'm usually on time for meetings. And mm -hmm. the reason for that is because he has taught me since young that 
by being on time, which essentially means five minutes early, shows respect yeah. and love for the person. And, you know, I'm, I usually would complain and say, why? But I'm always waiting for the person and they're always late. And, you know, he goes, it doesn't matter what they do. It matters what I do. It matters what, you know, I know that I should do and therefore I should do it. And so that is, you know, one example of how my grandfather is inspirational from that perspective. In terms of an inspirational leader, I had one great leader when I was in Microsoft in the regional team. He was one that demonstrated courage, whether it was in the way he decided on certain things, especially on tough decisions. Uh, but he also showed courage in terms of how he was also very consistent in his approach and standing up for uh, certain people or certain strategies and campaigns that he was determined to run, regardless of what the short-term results were. So he was a good example of courage. So for me, I think I find inspiration at different aspects from different people, as opposed to just one person embodying you know, all the core values. So that's how I look at it. And I know following through from what we talked about, part of that core value that drives the respect of anyone is the fact that it falls under this concept called integrity. And I think integrity is a very core attribute for any of us. I think we all know that honesty is a you know, good core value to have. And I'm sure we want to have honest friends. But integrity is more than that. It's, it's not just being honest in what we say, but integrity embodies what we say to what we do and being consistent about it in terms of how we act, how we think, and how we decide. So without integrity, you basically cannot build trust. You cannot really foster any good relationships if you don't have integrity. Like, I mean, who wants to be your friend if, you know, they can't trust you, right? If you don't have integrity, it's very difficult for you to safeguard business practices and compliance. I mean, it's probably almost impossible if you have no integrity. So integrity, I think, is a very basic foundational building blocks, not just in terms of how we do our work, but also in terms of how we build relationships and how we build partnerships with people. So to answer the question that we've asked at the start of it is, you know, what can we do to develop it? So the good news or a bad news is that all these core attributes are like um, a muscle and like any muscle, you have to work at it. So that's the bad news. The bad news is you have to put effort into it. And so all these things grow with time and with effort. So for example, in terms of integrity, you actually grow in integrity. It's not something that you, you know, one fine day you, you suddenly become integrous. You have to actually build it over time. And it starts with baby steps. It starts with, you know, being honest as a start. And then it's about showing up when you need to admitting when you made a mistake, taking accountabilities for um, whether your program was successful or not. So these are small little steps that we actually take to build up this core attribute called integrity. So the way I look at any of this is because it's like a muscle, it can be developed. And so there is hope for all of us to actually learn some of these attributes. What are your thoughts around it, Sal? Thanks so much, Lisa. That's such a great feedback. I heard two very key pointers. Number one is integrity is honesty in action. And the critical thing is really for us to be consistent in our behavior in both counts when people are looking and even behind closed doors when people are not watching. 
And the second key learning that I gathered from what you have just said is really leadership is something that can be nurtured and developed. So the good news is everyone has hope to be a great leader. All you need to do is adopting the right mindset and, as you said just now, building the right muscles, yeah? Because as time goes on, we practically will grow into specific behavior. So the very important thing is really we just to keep on doing it and sharpening the skills as required. So with that, Lisa, I would just like to move on now to my second pick, which is trustworthiness. And trust practically comes hand in glove with integrity. Without trust, it's very hard to practice integrity. So let's take a moment, uh, a hypothetical scenario. Say, for instance, I just joined your company and you are my boss. So I'm a newbie and I don't know whether to trust you or not yet. So what do I do? What I would do is absolutely to observe. And there are three key things that I would observe. Observation number one, what you say. Observation number two, do you do what you say? As a hypothetical scenario, let's say that you mentioned that you're going to be doing a one-on-one -on -one session with me once a fortnight. And the objective of this session is just to understand what's going on. It's purely my agenda and I can talk about anything, not necessarily work. Something important that I want to highlight or discuss with you. And it can be my personal challenges. It can be work challenges. It can be specific project focus interest so it can be anything and what you mentioned is this will be done at once every fortnight and in addition to that we would basically work together to follow up and to follow through on specific action items that we agree on in this meeting so based on observation one i take it that this is what you say and based on observation two i would then observe whether or not this meeting happens once every fortnight and the more important thing is whether or not you follow up or you follow through on the action items that we agreed on the follow-ups are definitely very important because that would basically turn what we agree on into reality when we execute it unless that happens then it doesn't mean anything so this is what I would be observing on the outcome of that meeting. And observation number three is really about my personal growth. And there are two key elements within the observation number three. Element number one is I would be asking questions like, do you provide tools for my personal development? Do you provide tools to make me successful in my role? So what kind of tools are we talking about? It would be a learning development plan, maybe assigning a buddy or a mentor for me, maybe a specific coaching session on specific areas, anything that's around personal growth and enhancing my competency level. And element number two within observation number three is really one very important question which I think matters to everyone and the key question is what would you do if I make a mistake would you penalize me see the thing is 
We need a safe environment to operate fully. We want to think out of the box. We want to try new ideas. We want to be bold when doing this. So it's very important to know that in the event that I make mistake, for instance, in this scenario, would you penalize me or would you be having a constructive discussion taking stock into what happened and learning from it on what to do, what not to do and how to do things differently moving forward? Depending on how far you would stick your neck out and and your willingness to have that constructive conversation with me, I think that would be a key determining factor on whether or not I would trust you. So Lisa, in a nutshell, just to summarize what I've just said is, as far as trustworthiness is concerned, uh, the key strategy is really about observing. And there are three key observations that I encourage everyone to do in this scenario. Observation number one is, what does a leader say? Observation number two, does he or she do what she says she wants to do? Observation number three is about your personal growth. It's very important for you to be growing successfully in the purpose of the company that you are investing your time in. And within this observation three, there are two key elements. Sub-element number one is, would your leader provide you the tools for you to be successful in your role? And sub-element number two within observation number three is, what would a leader do when you make a mistake? So Lisa, that's what I believe need to happen when assessing trustworthiness. And you have any specific comment on it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely agree with you. I think we are pretty much in line in terms of core attributes, you know, being inspirational and part of it is having integrity. And obviously that leads to being trustworthy. I mean, you can't be trustworthy if you don't have integrity, right? And I think that flows nicely to the next one, which is around courage. The reality is you can't have integrity without courage because there are situations and times where you will need to stand up and you need to stand up for what you believe. You need to stand up for your convictions. You need to stand up to, you know, to have someone's back because as a manager, basically, you know, the phrase, the buck stops here is very frail. And even though it may not be your mistake, it could be one of your direct reports, but you have to take accountability and responsibility for that. And that takes courage. And it also takes courage to make hard decisions because, you know, in any business, there are trade-offs that you have to make and there are decisions that you have to make that the reality is you're not going to get everyone on board. You know, there will always be people that will be unhappy with the decisions or you will definitely be receiving criticism more than anyone else, right? And so courage goes hand in hand with what you have to do as a leader. One of the good things about courage is that it is also very contagious. Uh, What I mean by that is if you see someone or if you experience a manager who is courageous, I think you naturally get that extra boost of being courageous as well. And so, you know, when you see courage being modeled, I think as part of it being contagious, you will also experience it within the team. And I've actually experienced that in various teams that I've been in where you have a manager who demonstrates courage and naturally the rest of us somehow seem to have that little bit of extra courage when we need to stand up for our programs or our strategies or you know how we have to fight for resources, marketing budgets and so on. So courage is one aspect that backs up integrity, but it also is one that can influence those around you to make the right decisions or to make the tough decisions. 
And the other aspect of courage is the fact that it's not just about what you say. It's something that you actually have to act out and it's something that people can experience. It's something that people can definitely see. And so obviously the next question would be, you know, how do we develop courage? And just like integrity and trustworthiness, it's something that grows with time. And it's something that grows as you gain little wins along the way. You know, it's like a child, right? No kid is born like a lion, right? No kid is born totally courageous. Okay, maybe kids are actually born courageous because they don't fear. So I guess how would you build courage is the biggest thing that to build courage is about a change in your mindset. And the biggest change in mindset is a fear-based mindset versus a growth-based mindset. And I think once you're able to move to a growth-based mindset or a learner's mindset, that will eliminate the fear factor of making mistakes. Because the reality is all of us are afraid of making mistakes. And when we're afraid of making a mistake or acknowledging a mistake, that in essence erodes our ability to be courageous, to take a stand to say, yes, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I totally agree with you, Lisa. Courage is contagious. We have seen this happening many times, even in our previous company, on how team members tend to follow a leader who is more courageous than others. And in, as a matter of fact, that's the way how culture is established. It's amazing how team dynamic works, really. And following up to courage, the next thing that I want to cover is really empathy. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I kind of touched upon empathy in the previous episode, but just to reiterate, um, empathy is really about being relatable and approachable. The ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and internalize their challenges, difficulties, or hardships so that you will be able to then understand the real issues and come up with very constructive solutions to a specific problem. So this is very important for you to be successful as a leader. You imagine if you are in a company and your CEO practically go down the field and spend three days at the call center, for instance, just to understand what kind of complaints or calls that you would typically receive from customers. And in addition to that, if he even went a step further and tried to answer those calls, then I think that would definitely give him or her a deeper experience on the kind of challenges that you face every day for just being around for, for a couple of days doing that. And that's an example of empathy, really the willingness to go down the field and understanding the issues through many different lenses, depending on the role that you have or the tasks that you need to do. So once you are able to relate to that, you'll be more effective in terms of seeing through the lenses of the people who are involved with the challenges on a daily basis. With that, you can internalize the experience better and you will be more effective in coming up with a solution as well as an informed decision on what you want to do to make situations better, for instance. So that's an example of empathy, the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes through their own lenses, and with that come up with constructive solution to a specific problem. As I mentioned earlier, in addition to 
empathy. I believe that perseverance is another key attribute that basically is very important. And I put this together because I think it really strengthened the leadership attribute if you have both empathy and perseverance. Why is perseverance important? It is important because leadership is a long game. And the key thing is a leader needs to be around for his or her people. You just need to be there regardless how difficult things are. So it is really a long game and despite delayed success, for instance, in, in the in, in the situation of what we have experienced the past two years, COVID-19 pandemic may have thrown a lot of companies off guard and they needed to pivot many ways of doing business. And there may be certain scenarios that even call for very drastic decision that may impact the long-term success of a company. And this is an example where a true leader would basically persevere through this challenges and will stick around and do everything he or she can to basically maintain and provide the right stuff for the well-being of the employees. So the key message that I'm trying to say is you just need to be there for your people and in some scenario you may need to be very single-minded about a certain decision that you need to be making. So Lisa, that kind of sum up my third pick, which is empathy, coupled with perseverance. Do you have anything to add at this point in time? Oh yeah, man, I absolutely agree with you. I think what we've all talked about, all, all the attributes that we've covered, essentially all ties in with one another. And, you know, just to add on to empathy, I think part of that goes back to what we said earlier, which is around respect. When you respect others, you generally would have to have an empathetic view because you're choosing to hear them, you're choosing to value their opinion, you're choosing to give them respect. One of the things that I think we should also talk about is respecting yourself. And the reason why that is important is because when you're able to respect yourself, you're able to then build boundaries, safe boundaries for yourself. And I was reading this, um, this management book once, and it basically talks about how building a healthy boundary for yourself helps you to not just uh, manage people, but also to ensure that you don't go through this process of burnout because you're able to set certain boundaries. So boundaries such as, you know, certain times that are not negotiable that you want to do certain things with. So, and a good example is one of the regional managers that I had when I was in Microsoft. He basically, you know, shared with us how he manages his calendar as an example. And the way he would do it is that he has certain time blocks in, on a certain day of the week that he says is non-negotiable because that is the time that he spends to think, to review, to analyze, to assess. So for him, that is how he sets certain boundaries from his calendar perspective or time management perspective for him to get to do the important things. And I remember when I was a manager, you know, one of the things that, one of the greatest challenge that I had was I had back-to-back -back meetings. And I'm sure you've experienced that. And sometimes you don't even have time yeah. to go for toilet breaks, right? Which is funny when you think about <laughs> it now. But I think part of it is I've realized over time is that maybe I did not respect myself enough to give myself the space that I also needed mm -hmm. to do valuable activities that I should be doing as a manager. And I think so that's something to be mindful of as part of not just respecting other people, but it's also about how do you respect yourself 
and giving yourself boundaries so that you can build a sustainable and healthy self-care environment for you so that you are able to lead those around you. Is there anything else you want to cover, Sal? That's a great point, Lisa. I like the fact that you brought the subject on not respecting ourselves. Yeah, for some reasons, when we were too busy trying to get things done, we tend to forget that we are equally as important as other tasks. So that's a great reminder. I would definitely apply that setting boundary method that you just talked about because that's the best way to deliberately plan on my me time. Anyway, at this point uh, in time, I think it's, it's best that we summarize what we have just talked about today. And this time around, we practically talk about six non-negotiable attributes of a leader. And the six that we talk about are number one, integrity, number two, inspiration, number three, courage, number four, trustworthiness, number five, respect. And number six, empathy and coupled with perseverance. See, um, integrity is definitely the key cornerstone of leadership. It's very important for any leader to demonstrate that they are consistent in their behavior in both counts when people are watching and behind closed doors when people are not watching. So that consistency is really the crux of everything that's basically built the foundation of leadership. And next, we move on to inspiration just now. And inspirational leaders are very important because we need inspirational leaders to stay the course, to steer the direction, especially during tough times. People tend to look for inspirations when they're faced with difficult challenges. And leaders need to demonstrate their mojo when it comes to that. We need inspirational leaders for the long journey with trials and tribulations that we need to face in our pursuit for excellence. And the third um, point that we discussed just now was courage. And Lisa mentioned that courage is contagious. And I think that's one key takeaway that all of us need to remember. The core element of courage is really about admitting your mistake and standing up to it. And that will go a long way the moment your team members say it. That's the reason why it's very contagious. It makes them bold to do the right thing, of course. Number four, we talk about trustworthiness. And trustworthiness goes hand in glove with integrity. So how do you define trust? You define trust by observing three key factors. Number one is observing what the leaders say. Number two is observing whether the leaders do what they say. And as far as observation number three is concerned, there are two key elements within observation number three. Number one is, do the leaders provide you the tools for you to be successful in your role? And sub-element number two within observation number three is, do they penalize you when you make mistakes? So that's kind of sum up what trustworthiness is all about and the outcome of those three observations would definitely determine whether or not you should trust a leader. And number five, we talk about respect. And in this scenario, it applies to both respecting others as well as respecting ourselves. 
with respect, we are able to relate to people better. We're able to have constructive discussions. And as far as respecting ourselves, we then would be able to basically set up certain boundary for us to review, assess, and analyze the kind of key improvement that we need to make for ourselves as well. And that are critical, especially if you're a leader, because you need to be there for your people in the long term. Finally, we talk about empathy coupled with perseverance, and empathy is about being relatable, being able to put yourself in, in someone else's shoes and internalize their challenges and hardships so that you will be able to be effective in offering the right solution to a specific problem. And leaders solve problems every day. With that, Lisa, I just remember one very important thing. Just now you mentioned that leadership can be nurtured and developed. I remember something about building a muscle, don't be a brave heart, some, some kind of baby steps. Maybe you can, I mean, there are many contexts to it that you were talking about either today or even in the episode before. So maybe you can kind of recap everything so that we can apply what's necessary accordingly. Yeah, it's a good question to close it off with. And I think the first step is the mindset. And the mindset has to really be a growth or a learner mindset. Because if you think about it like a muscle, muscle takes time to develop. And you actually have to put in effort. And when you have the growth mindset, it basically tells you that every challenge or every mistake that you learn from is an opportunity for you to grow. It's an opportunity for you to improve. And once you have that, you would not view errors or mistakes or failure as something that is bad. In fact, you kind of view it like Thomas Edison, right? He goes, he failed you know, 10,000 times trying to figure out how to create the light bulb. But he didn't think of it as, you know, he, that he was a failure. He thought of it as that is 10,000 ways of not making a light bulb. And so that is the mindset we need mm -hmm. to have. So that's the number one shift that needs to take place in order to develop any of these attributes or any skill for that matter, is that you need to have a learner's mindset. The second part of how do you go about doing it is, it's step by step. You got to do it slowly. I mean, don't think that suddenly you can develop a courage like, like Braveheart, right? That's not going to happen <laughs> overnight. So you need to think, you know, what little things can I do and take little wins along the way? It's important that you look at it from a perspective of it's, it's a building block. So don't give yourself a huge goal, once again, to be like Braveheart. But think of it as what can you do today that shows or demonstrates your level of courage or conviction or integrity or to move the trustworthiness level, so on and so forth. It's just the little things. And the good news is that people around you will notice the small things. They don't, they don't just notice suddenly the big things. They actually will notice and value the small things more than the once or twice big occasions that you might rise to the occasion. The reality is that everyday small things is what matters. So don't, you know, aim too big, but just go for the small baby steps. And the third one I would say would be centered around uh, getting yourself learning. So whether you're learning from books or whether you're finding yourself a mentor or a coach or you know trusted advisors, the circle of friends that you have, the people that you can get feedback from, that is a great way for you to learn and develop attributes, skill, 
as well as, you know, as a great just ability for you to bounce off ideas and to think about, you know, what certain areas you can improve on or you don't even have to because that's something that you're naturally gifted with. So I would say getting feedback from people around you would be the third uh, aspect of, you know, how would you build any skill for that matter, whether it's these six attributes or just one single attribute. So leverage on the community that you do have to help you do that. I hope that you've learned at least one new thing that you're able to apply into your everyday management leadership abilities. As always, please share, follow, and subscribe. To find out more information, check out lisalamcoach.com and sawanaali.com. And don't forget, you're not alone in your struggles as a manager. Thank you and take care.